This 4th of July weekend, Chicago anti-violence workers will be out trying to prevent shootings. It's already been a violent summer in Chicago. In June, there were more than 400 shootings and 89 people were murdered, according to police. A couple of weeks ago, more than 100 people were shot between Friday and Monday. 13 people were killed just on the weekend. The nonprofit organizations who are trying to keep the violence down say there are signs their efforts are working despite the shooting numbers. WBEZ's Patrick Smith has spent time on the city's west side over the last couple of months documenting their efforts. On Wednesday, June 17th, a group of about eight guys were hanging out near the corner of Central and Madison on the west side. They're talking, joking, drinking bottled water from a cooler on the sidewalk. Three of them have gray shirts on with the word peacekeeper on the back. Ed Harris, Cornell Graham, and Larice Nelson. We all peacekeepers. We basically step in and stop any confrontation that we see could grow and be something bigger. These guys are essentially the first rung on a violence prevention ladder the city is trying to build up. Harris, Graham, and Nelson are all from this neighborhood. Their lives and their bodies have all been torn by gun violence. All three of them have been shot in the last few years. Harris, while he was walking up to his house that's just a few blocks away. I was walking in the house. Somebody just jumped out of the car shooting. Were they aiming for you, you think? Definitely. I got shot 13 times. I'm glad you're still standing. Nelson got hit by a stray bullet. Yeah, it kind of make you scared every day. You could be walking next, uh, next to somebody's car and somebody want to get down. Bullets ain't got no names. Going in the store, I got shot. The store right here, M&S. Graham points across the street to where he got shot in the leg. Some guys pulled up in a car. Walked this way, and I just hit shots. I don't really know where they came from. And when I go to run, I fall, and I looked up, I was hitting the leg. Were you guys, this is, I, I don't want to dwell on your past, but would you say you guys were at one point kind of part of the problem out here or no? Mm, I don't got no comment on that. I just, I don't know. It's, it's a crazy, it's just how you got to, you're adapting. I don't know. You say you have to kind of survive or get, get by over here. Is that like you had to carry a gun? Nelson shakes his head. It's clear he does not want to answer that question on tape. Graham jumps in. Well, because this situation, if you got shot and you scared, what would you think of doing? If you got to come outside, you can't stay in the house your whole life. I ain't saying carry a gun on you. I'm just saying, what would you think of doing? You got shot. You don't know who going to pull up shooting. You don't know what's going to happen. You Sometimes you got to protect yourself. Now, these three get paid a stipend, about $400 a week, to stand out here and try and keep the peace. Mostly, their job is to keep the guys they know, the guys they hang out with, from shooting. Like, only can stop our people from doing stuff. We can't stop the next people from doing nothing. It's a small goal, but the people behind it say it's a necessary first step to build real, lasting peace. And they say it's already helped prevent this terrible summer from being even worse. An example, a few weeks ago, some young guys from another neighborhood came through the intersection throwing up gang signs. It's the sort of thing that can prompt a shooting which will then lead to more shooting back and forth throughout the summer. This time, it led to a phone call and an apology. Yeah, they came and they were just being disrespectful, basically somewhere they weren't supposed to be. It could have, we could have followed, somebody could have followed them down or wherever they was from, and you know what I'm saying? But instead, we called our outreach workers and told them, like, man, tell them it's been peaceful, keep it peaceful. And they called them and they called and apologized and they talked to their people that never happened again. A conversation first, before shots get fired, 
is is exactly what we need to happen. Jalen Arthur with the Violence Prevention Group Chicago Cred says that incident is exactly how his program was designed to work. Peacekeepers with close ties to rival gangs holding their own people down. Now they have what they look, what they see as opposition coming into the area. They could easily just start shooting and whatever, you know what I mean? But but instead, because of the way we have it set up, there's a line of communication. Harris, Graham, and Nelson are part of a program focused on so-called violence hotspots around Chicago. There are 75 corners around the city where cred is paying people to stand out and keep the peace. It's called the FLIP program, and Arthur is its architect. He says the goal is to start by getting rival factions on defense. You know, if people are on offense, then they're sliding back and forth. You know what I mean? They, they drive into the other side looking for opportunities you know, to engage in violence as opposed as opposed to a defensive posture. You know, we got guys that are still they're going to protect the areas. But if they're not if they're not on offense, they're not actually, you know, trying to go to the other side to engage in violence, then we can we can stop a lot. I asked Arthur if the goals of the program were too small. He's not even talking about convincing groups to put the guns down, just trying to get them to stay on their own turf. The thing is, though, we already know it's a lot of loss on on all sides of the equation. Um, it's hard for a lot of people to, to shake those losses. And so the, the, the reality is it's not like everything is just going to stop instantly overnight. We, we got communities and hot spots that haven't gone a day or a week without a shooting. You go a week without a shooting, we can go two weeks. We go two weeks, we can go three weeks. We go three weeks, we can go a month. The last couple weekends in Chicago have been unusually violent even for a city that averages around 500 murders a year. Between Friday, June 19th, to early Monday morning on June 22nd, more than 100 people were shot throughout Chicago. 13 of them were killed. It was the most violent weekend this year. Austin, the neighborhood where Nelson, Graham, and Harris live, was particularly hard hit, with five people murdered, including three kids. On that Monday, it was storming off and on all day, but a group of about 40 people gathered near the central Green Line stop in Austin for a rally and vigil. Um, First of all, I'm a parent, uh, not only to my own biological children, but so many of the children that live in this community. And it hurts me to see a three-year-old have been killed on my corner. That's unacceptable. Longtime Austin resident Aisha Oliver organized the event. She talked up the anti-violence efforts in the community but it hadn't been enough. That baby was murdered. Anyone who sits by and watches it and says nothing, you are just as guilty. A couple days later, while we're on the phone, Jalen Arthur sends me a map of the shootings from the weekend, overlaid on a map of the hotspot corners and street outreach. Oh, here we go. I'm looking at it now. Okay. So so let me show you something real quick. This is The map shows most of the violence happened away from the hotspots where the peacekeepers were working. It's not exactly a scientific study, but it gives Arthur some hope. And he points out that about half of the shootings happen between midnight and 6 a.m., a stretch of time when they don't have any anti-violence workers out. He says they are trying to figure out ways to fill in the gaps, and they need more resources to do it. We're, we're doing an assessment across all the teams so that we can actually um, have a presence during that early a.m. And the reality is, if we're not... If we're not going to be able to have a presence during early a.m., then you can pretty much say 30 to 50 percent of the shootings. We don't even have an opportunity to try to get in front of it in terms of, um, you know, um, interruption or mediation efforts. And that's that's just not acceptable. On the Thursday after that horribly violent weekend, 
Outside of the Institute for Nonviolence office in West Garfield Park, Chris Patterson is talking with a woman whose son was one of the hundred people shot in that two-day period. He was hit in the back. He's in the hospital now, she says, and there's still a possibility he could end up paralyzed. If he recovers, and when he's done with rehab, she says she'll have a dilemma. Her son will find out who shot him. Patterson, an anti-violence worker, is urging her to seek peace, but she tells him that she may want her son to seek vengeance. She's angry, and Patterson can't convince her to give up the idea of revenge before she leaves to catch a ride home. I asked Patterson about it after she leaves, and he says he understands where she's coming from. Once violence affects you, you can't forget it, right? And so now violence becomes an option. It was a delicate balance for Patterson, trying to empathize with her grief and anger while trying to talk her down. You know, a part of her conversation was like, yeah, part of me wants to seek retaliation, but the other part of me doesn't want to lose everything that we've, we've gotten. I don't want to lose my son. I don't want to lose my daughter. This is coming at some of the things she was saying. And that's natural. That's normal. Like when people lose people who are close to them, an array of feelings may arise, right? It could be people who are caught in the cycle of violence. Violence makes sense for them. That's the way they answer their problems. It reminds me of something Graham, Nelson, and Harris told me. People call the violence senseless, but often there's real reasons behind it, they say. Vengeance. Righteous anger. After I talk with Patterson, I drive about a mile and a half west to the corner of Madison and Central, where the guys are stationed. They are not up for talking. They, too, were directly affected by the rash of violence over that previous weekend. One of their friends was killed. Obviously, they are grieving, but there's something else. When I get to the intersection on Thursday afternoon, the scene looks and feels markedly different than when I was there a week ago. There's a tension in the air, or at least I imagine there is. There are two police cars parked across the street. Officers are standing outside of the cars, surveying the scene. Nelson mirrors their posture, standing with his feet shoulder-width apart, facing the street. Patterson explained to me that with the killing of another friend, Graham and Nelson and Harris and everyone else out here is back to being hyper-vigilant. Heads on a swivel, constantly looking out for the danger coming around the corner. It's trauma, happening right now, to these guys who are supposed to help keep the peace. Patrick Smith, WBEZ News.